0: Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Amen, amen. If you would just stay standing, go ahead and stay standing. You haven't been standing long enough yet this morning. Uh, We've been in this series. In fact, I'm finishing this collection of talks called Built Different. Where we've been talking about building our, our lives, our families differently than the world around us. Because how many of you know the way the world is building is not working? It's just not working. And so we're saying we're gonna build according to God's word, according to the architect. And we've talked about different areas where we're gonna build our life in communication, in, in the way that we approach life, our attitudes, our, our families, how we raise up the next generation. And it's all been, important that we build on a firm foundation, on Christ, the solid rock. The, the Bible tells us in Matthew that the wise person built on that foundation, the foolish person built on the culture, on shifting kinds of sands. And when the rains came and the winds blew and the storms rose up, right, that house fell with a great crash. And so that's really been our heart that we wanna be built different, built according to, to God's word. I was thinking about, it's kind of the difference between um, like your, your, your grandmama's couch and an Ikea couch. You know what I'm talking about? If you've ever put one of those together, it might look okay on the outside for a season, but how many of you know your grandmama's couch lasted? It was just built different. You could jump on it, you could hop on it. That Ikea couch is just broke and I'm thinking a lot of people's faith, in fact, there might even be a lot of churches that have a, an Ikea kind of faith where it looks okay Perhaps, but it wasn't built to last. It wasn't built to last. And we wanna build different. And I think there are ways in God's word it tells us how to build in such a way. In 1 Corinthians verse uh, chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. And how many of you know there are people coming after you building on top of what you've already built. Hey, your children, your children's children. They're coming to build after you. It says, but whoever is building on this foundation must be careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have in Christ Jesus. We know that he is our our rock, our foundation. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of material. Check this out, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. In other words, we're all building with something. You're building with some sort of material. You're building your life in, in some sort of, of way, and check it out, but on judgment day, somebody say judgment day. I know we don't like to talk about that, but there will come a day. There will. Jesus will return. His word says nobody knows the hour, nobody knows the day, only God in heaven knows that. But he will come back, and it says on that day, the fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done in other words it matters the way you build it matters the materials that you use it matters whether or not you follow the plans of the architect in building because on that day like if it if it wasn't built right it's not gonna last the fire will show if a person's work has any value if it's lasting beyond this life any kind of eternal value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. Say reward. That means, the the Greek word is apoditimai. It means I want to pay you back. God wants to pay you back for the way that you built your life on this earth. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer a great loss. None of it matters. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through the wall of flames. This is not a heaven or hell issue. This is what did you do with the life God has given you? I wanna talk from this title right here, Built to Last, Built to Last. God, I pray that right now, you would help us through your word. Um, in fact, God, what we need you to do more than anything is speak directly to our hearts. I just need you to show up in a significant way. Holy Spirit, be our guide, our teacher. Like We don't wanna walk through the motion of checking a church box today. What we wanna do is hear from you. And the only way we know how to do it for sure is to read the words you've already given us. And so I pray that that word would come alive, God, in our hearts and in our minds today. It would speak directly to where we are, that it would help us, counsel us, convict us, God, where we need it, perhaps even just pat us on the back if we need encouragement today. God, you know what we need. It's in Jesus' name. Now you can say amen, amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you, band. I want to, uh, before I dive into today's topic, um, say this, that in this series, Built Different, we've been talking about some practical ways, too, that we want to build different. And one of those ways, just a heads up, is I kind of teased it out there a little bit, but saying we are going to do a social media Fast, we are tuning out the voices of the world and surrounding voices in our life, and focusing in on God's voice solely. And so, for the month of July, our church is shutting it down. Just so you know. So, if you're getting on Facebook, Instagram, all that, trying to find out what we're doing, it ain't gonna be there. So, we're just—I've told our staff and our teams, "Hey, guys, we're just—we're gonna put it on pause." for July. And so what we're going to do is just build different. And I would encourage you and challenge you to do the same thing. Maybe to step up and say for your family, hey guys, for July, we're just no social media, no social media. We're gonna do, we're gonna set limits on our screen time and we are going to be together and have face-to-face conversations, okay? Are you with me? You guys want to try that out for July? (laughs) You're like, I don't know, I don't know really. Maybe, maybe not. But we're gonna do it anyway. And so I'm just throwing that out there just so you know what's gonna be happening around here. Um, and so today I wanna talk about being built to last. In fact, I want you to write this down and I'm gonna encourage you to take a lot of notes today because this is going to be a little more teachy than it is preachy. There might be some preaching in it. I don't know, we're gonna find out. Uh, but I want you to write this down. Family debt creates family doubt. Family debt Creates family doubt. Debt and doubt go hand in hand. Colby, I thought that we were talking about building strong families, uncommon families for an unstable world. We are, we are. Doubt produces, um, uh, debt produces this, this stress in the home. Debt produces instability, a lack of confidence. Debt can put pressure on families like few other things really can. How many of you know that to be true? It can Debt is the number one cause of, of divorce in the home. And so we are going to talk about debt and talk about being financially free. And I know some of you are like, oh, here we go. The church is talking about money. Colby, why today? I brought a friend today to church and you had to do this today. Well, I guarantee you, your friend thought about money this week. I promise you. They thought about this. We're always thinking about this area of our life. Family debt really equals and creates a lot of family doubt. And I think most of us in our life, we'd want to live different. We'd wanna make some changes. We want to have some financial freedom, but can I tell you something? A change of behavior begins first with a change of belief. You have to believe this to be true. You have to believe that there is a better way, that I don't believe God's way for any of us is that we would be in debt up to our eyeballs. Like he tells us that the borrower is a servant to the lender. That's not his best for our, our life. And my prayer is that we would experience freedom in this area. And so before I go on, the church doesn't want anything from you. I just want to be clear on that. I honestly want something for you. Like you guys know that you don't return tithes and offerings and, and be generous to the, the church. Like you, you give through the church back to God. And so I just want to make that clear. And if at any moment you think, well, they just want this, they just want that, don't give here, don't do it here. Like give to another church, find another place that you can invest in and with, with confidence and give there. But I believe that if we are going to um, get a strong handle On our money we need to make sure we break the stronghold that a lot of us are feeling from debt and I think that all of us have a great heart to do that in fact I operate from that position that many of us we have the desire to to give generously to to live generously but because we're not in control of our finances in fact some of us our finances are in control of us we are unable to live the way that God has called us to live. So I want to help us build different. Are we okay with that? (laughs) We'll see. All right, 1 Timothy, chapter six, Uh, talking about this area of finances, talking about money, uh, this is what it says. People who want to get rich, like this is what happens to them. They fall into temptation and into a trap. And that's what it can feel like. That's what debt can feel like. It can feel like a trap it can feel like a a pit it can feel like a black hole and you're trying to get yourself out of it man I'm my heart's good it's in the right place I'm just I'm just in a bad bad place financially and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin or disaster aka dumb financial decisions has anybody ever made one come on be honest today like we have made dumb I, i've made dumb financial decisions like over and over and over. And my job is to help point out some of those those traps, those temptations, that destruction that can happen. Uh, Because what's the deal? Here it is, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Money is not bad. In fact, money can be a a great thing when used for kingdom purposes, but the love of it. In other words, having a wrong perspective on it, building according to the way of the, the world when it comes to our, our money, the love of it is the root of all kinds of evil. It goes on to say some people who are eager for it, those kinds of people that are always just focused on it, hyper-focused on their, their finances, their world revolves around, around their money, around their stuff. It says they wander from the faith. That is so true. There are people who have left the church. There are people who have left the faith because of this very topic right here. I promise you, you even know some people like that perhaps. Like they just want my money, you know, and so, I'm, so I'm out of there, I'm never going back there. And it says this, uh, they pierced themselves with many griefs and it can feel that way. We've been p- pierced by dumb decisions, by, by, by circumstances that brought us to, to where we are. You feel pierced with many griefs. Jesus said this in Luke 12, 34, wherever you put that stuff, your treasure, your heart is going to follow it. And so here's what I honestly believe. Many of us in this room, this is why you walk through these doors, is that you want to follow God's heart, is that you want to discover what it is that God has for your your life. In fact, some of you would say, I really want God to be first in my life. I want him to have the priority position in my life. And Jesus said, okay, well, if that's the case, then you need to put your stuff in that direction too, your money your material goods, wherever your stuff is, your treasure is, that's where your heart will be as well. And many of you know that to be true because what has your, you know, your, your money and your energy you, takes a lot of your, your heart. You're invested in that. You're always constantly looking to see how it's, how it's doing. Like in other words, it's the number one competitor for our, our heart. Now, my, my beautiful bride, Kristen, She is a financial boss. She's just a boss. Um, She is a genius with this stuff. She is a a CPA. She loves systems and structure and organization. In fact, a lot of our our systems and financial budgeting structure has been here at this church has been shaped by her. And so she like, before meeting me and getting married, she was very organized. She still is very organized, very um, strategic, very controlled money management environment. And then I came into the picture. And I'm the guy who would sign up for the credit card just to get the t-shirt. You know what I'm talking about, anybody else? I think I got six t-shirts from like, you know, Visa, MBNA, Discover card. I think I even have a Diners Club International t-shirt, if you remember that card, like back in the day. Like, and so like, she went from this very structured, you know, kind of environment to complete chaos with me. I thought, you know, she had never experienced dysfunction and I would just help a sister out, you know? So that's what I was trying to do but she is amazing with this stuff, the organization and the budgeting of it. And so when we were called to plant a church, like we'd seen it done a lot of different ways. And some of them not very like um, with a lot of sound wisdom, I won't say anything further than that, but we wanted to be very life-giving in the approach that we took in, in budgeting and how we operate. And we just thought there has to be a better way. And I would say this, if that's where you are today, and you're thinking, man, there's just gotta be a better way. With, with, with my money, with, with, with the, the finances that, that I have, um, that you want to continue this on throughout the summer and beyond, if you simply just took the numbers and just numbers alone, I'm going to give you five foundational principles. If you would just do these and follow these quick, simple little things, you would be better off. You would begin to build differently. In fact, I'm going to give this in two parts. I'm going to give you just straight numbers. And then I want us to look at really beyond those numbers, because how many of you know a financial storm could come at any time? And if we're gonna build our house differently on a firm foundation, when that storm hits, when that washer goes, when the car inspection comes, right? Which is $700 every time, it seems like, for me. Like when that happens, right, you want to be positioned on the rock. So here's the first thing, if we're just going numbers, a financial person would tell you, you have to work on earning, write that down. Just straight earning. In other words, we don't have to talk about good money management if there ain't nothing to manage, if you ain't got nothing. Are you with me? And so first earn, 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 earn. If that means they will tell you, take another job, get another job. There is no secret sauce to making more, more money. Do whatever you have to do. And I would tell all the young people in the room today, hey, like don't just sit around playing video games till you're 25. Get a J O B, come on, parents, let them know, get a job. Some of you parents, you've been wanting to say that for a long time. Get a job. I'm just telling you. Like, you want to be attractive, guys, to to other ladies? Like, get a job. Put it on your Tinder profile that you have a job. (laughs) And they'll be swiping right on you all day. I'm just saying. I have no data to back that up. I have no idea if that's true or not, or if you can even do that but I'm just saying, get a a job. If we're simply going by numbers, don't sit at home all summer, like get a job. High school students, get a job, make some money, have some margin, do some of the things that you want to do this summer. So earning, 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 that's what they would tell you, number one. Number two, they would say, watch what's going out. And they would talk about spending, spending. Which is uh, crazy to me that 90% of Americans, look at this stat, do not have a budget. 90%, 90% have no idea where the money's going when it comes in. They haven't named it. In fact, you have to name every place for every dollar where it's going to go. But they have no idea. It's just spending, 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 hoping, right, that there's not more month than there is money that they get to the end of the month and they're okay. No, you have to look at what you are spending. And one of the things that we do here is we have a financial peace university class that happens a couple times a year, because again, we believe that God's best for your life is not to be in debt. And so we wanna help walk you through uh, some practical things on how to get out of that. But they would tell you, you need to watch your spending. The third thing they would say is saving. Saving. And then you got to look at saving. And this is not just a financial principle, by the way. This is a biblical principle as well. Proverbs tells us in the house of the wise are choice food, stores of choice food and oil, but the fool spends everything that they have. And so you don't want to do that. It's important that you don't spend all that you have. You need to save. And check this stat out the average American spends, look at it, 136% of their income. I don't know how that works. But it's not good. I'm just telling you, it's not good. And so financial people, just numbers would tell you you need a reserve or an emergency fund. And they would say start start slow. Like set aside $5 a week, little $5 seed or $15 a week. Don't go to Starbucks every day. Don't go to Dunkin' Donuts, you know, every single day. Put that aside until you get that to be $1,000 of an emergency fund, then continue saving and saving till you have saved up three months of expenses. This is what they would tell you. Just you have to work on this, this, this saving. And the fourth thing they would tell you And this can be fun if you get here, it can also make you cuss a little bit, and that is investing. You know what I'm talking about? This is where you're not working for your money, but your money is now working for you. And you're setting aside some for the purpose of letting it grow. And this is why young people listen to me, high schoolers, college students listen to me, like anybody uh, with any kind of experience in life will tell you, it's not the amount that's on your side, it's time that's on your side. Because if you would start doing this now, setting a little bit aside now, it's gonna make a big difference in the future because the average, check it out, monthly used car payment in America is $526 for a used car, a used car. It's, it's 700 plus for a, a new car. And so what you should know is if you instead kept the car that you have, don't go after that new car, and took that $526 a month and put it away in an investment account at 25 years of age, at 60 years of age, that $526 a month turns into $5 million. Hope you liked your car, right? Are you with me? So it's time that's on your side and they would tell you you need to to invest. And then the last one, just looking at numbers alone, they would say you give, giving. And in fact, most financial planners won't even talk about this one unless there is some tax benefit to you. And then they're saying, hey, you need to get the tax benefits, so you need to give. And I think most people in life know that at some point, your life should reflect charity. And so check out this stat, on average, the American gives approximately 3% to a charitable uh, donation, And the average Christian uh, gives just a little bit more 3.8%. But if you took these five principles, these five metrics, earning, spending, saving, investing, and giving, and just did those alone, it will help. You'll begin to experience some level, some degree of financial freedom in your life. However, as followers of Jesus, there's more. There's more. In fact, as far as of Jesus, we know that we don't just operate with the, the natural principles that the world operates with, but there are supernatural principles that supersede those. And, and they're principles that really um, mankind you know, it makes no sense to mankind. And so they can't wrap their mind around these necessarily, but there's got to be more than just these, these numbers, and there is. and this is what Haggai. Chapter one, verse five tells us, come on somebody, Haggai, we're going deep. You ever been to Haggai, the book of Haggai? For all the deep sheep, there you go. It doesn't get any more deeper than that. But this is what it says. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to these ways. Give careful thought to just, you know, the ways, just doing it by the numbers, just, you know, just going that direction. Says this, you're planting much, but you're harvesting little. You eat, but it's not enough. In other words, you're missing something. Some, something else is, is not right. Uh, you drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages, check this out, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. How many of you know that's what it feels like? You get it, and as soon as it comes in, it's gone. It's like, where did it go? You know, I thought this I, I thought this was, you know, pay week or whatever. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. So could there be a different way, a different principle that supersedes these natural principles? And the answer for us, I believe, is, is yes. Because time and time again, God's word talks about money and how important it is to us. In fact, five times more than about prayer, it talks about money and possessions. It, it, it talks about money more than it does heaven and hell combined. Jesus, half of the parables that he tells us are about our stuff, about material goods, about money, about, about possessions. He says, you know, it's the number one competitor for our heart. And so we can't simply think in the natural when it comes to building our lives about this. We have to build different. We have to build according to God's word and what he says. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, where is the man... The, this wise, the wise man, where's the scholar, where's the, the philosopher, all these smart people. You could say, where's the wise financial planner, the strategic planner. The Bible says God makes all those things foolish. In other words, his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. He, he sees it differently. And so let's look at it a little bit differently. Let's look beyond these numbers. I want us to build beyond simply just the numbers, because there's got to be more than just doing math. Because if you're anything like me, I'm terrible at math. Anybody else? Terrible at math? Yeah, like when my kids reach fourth grade, I'm like, I can help you out with homework. Fifth grade, I'm done. I'm tapping out. It's your mom now. She can help you out. And I think these days when they get to ninth, tenth grade, we're both done. We're like, talk to your older brother because we have no idea what's going on. Before looking at the straight numbers, first of all, it was earning, earning. And that is move away. You, you, there's no secret sauce. You gotta find another job, get a second job this summer, do whatever you can to earn more. Here's our built different principle. Ready for it? Calling over compensation. This is about calling. Because at the end of the day, how much I make is not what's going to fulfill me. It's not gonna ever fulfill. At the end of the day, I'm gonna be fulfilled when I discover why I'm on this earth and I follow my my calling, I follow what it is God's called me to do. Even if it's significantly less than I could have made in the marketplace doing something different. There's nothing like knowing I'm doing what I was designed to do. Yeah, I'm not uh, chasing after how much money I can make, right? I'm chasing after what I was made for. Are you with me? It's calling. Overcompensation, I'm telling you, many of us are like, I'm gonna switch from this job to that job because that job gives me 50 cents more an hour or a buck 50 more an hour. And I'm just telling you, it's not worth it. It's to follow our our calling in life and which is one of the reasons why we have Explore Track here. And if you haven't done it yet, let me invite you next week is week one of Explore. And that helps you kind of understand how God's wired you and created you. It happens at our 11.30 worship experience time. And we really want you to pursue God's calling on your life. In fact, the best way I know to pastor you and lead you is when you know why you're on this earth. And God has created you specifically on purpose with a purpose. He's given you gifts and talents for you to use, not only to build his local church, but also the kingdom of God. And we would love to help you figure out what that is. In fact, I was talking with one of our serve team Members last week about explore and about kind of how we you know lead people into discovering why they're on this 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 earth and you know at least helping them get there and he said man Colby you know I I I you know what I love about this place and I said you know well the preaching probably and he said no I'm just kidding he I said the the music he said yeah I'm like we both agreed with that but then he said um actually it's genius and I'm like well tell me more I like that word and he said uh you get people like to understand why they're on this earth and fulfill their calling. And then you get them working together to serve a greater purpose and everyone is fulfilled. And I'm like, that's it. Because there's nothing like knowing that you are operating and doing exactly what God has called you to do. This life is not about how much stuff I can acquire. It's about how much I can get done of what God has called me to do and equip me to do. So come check out Explore. I'm just telling you. Next week, you got to be here for that. Um, Paul said it this way in Acts 20:24. 20, I consider my life worth nothing. It's a zero, meaningless. If only I could finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. And I know many of you push back and say, "Well, that's God's word. That's that's Paul. We're talking about the apostle Paul. Like he he wrote that." I'm like, "But you have a task too. You have a a function too. You have a role." To. So if we're just looking at, at, at numbers, it's all about earning. I'm just telling you a higher principle is, is calling over compensation. Here's number two, spending. Spending, spending, spending. Right? You got to watch your spending. Can't spend more than you. You make, that's a, a big Dave Ramsey saying, like get some margin in your life. Here is our built different principle. And I, I think this one in and of itself could change your life. And that is contentment over consumerism man, we live in a culture that wants more and we want it now, do we not? Like we live in this age where like it used to be not even that long ago when you ordered something online, it might take a, a couple of weeks or a month to get there. Now it's a couple hours or a couple minutes. You're like, you, before you even click, you know, you know, order, it's like ding dong, you know, they're at the door. It's like, what is going on? Like it's that fast. So what is that? I think that is we have lost the value of being content It's a value, and I think for many people, they think contentment sounds like this boring kind of archaic idea, and I'm promising you, like it is where real peace is found. Peace is such a a, a word that is underused. We all want peace. We all desire peace, and one of the ways we do it is by being content with what we have. Jesus said in Luke 12, don't always be wishing for more. Don't always be searching after more the things that you don't have. Real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. This is the way it says it in the NIV. Life doesn't consist in the abundance of your things. That's not real life. Doesn't matter how much stuff you have. In fact, if you look at the people around the world who are the happiest, this is gonna blow your mind. They are often the people with the least. Is that not true? Like you go on a mission trip with us this coming year or whenever. Like you go on a mission trip with us and it will mess you up because you will see people who live on pennies a day, dollars a day and they are filled with more joy than we are in fact, you'll go to a village and you'll see a kid playing with a stick and a rock and he's running around and he's happy and he's, and he's just, you know, having a great time and they are happier than our children are at home on their Xbox and their Nintendo Switch and their iPhones and everything else that they have. Are you with me? Like, what is that? Like, we have lost this value of being content. And so this is how Paul says it in Philippians. He said, man, I, I know what it is to be in need. And I think all of us do to some degree, and I know what it is to have plenty, and I promise you, all of us do. We live in America, the wealthiest you know, country, like we know what it is to have plenty, but I've learned the secret, he says, of being content. There's a secret to it, Paul. He's like, yeah, it took me a while to figure it out, but I finally figured it out. That is in any situation, whether well-fed or hungry or living in plenty or in want, I'm just, I'm content with what I have. I'm, I'm okay with my portion. Learn to be okay with your portion, with what God has given you. In fact, if there is one thing that can ignite the value of contentment in your life, you know what it is? It's to realize you are already blessed. It's to have gratitude. It's to realize that and be aware of all that you have already been given. It's not about acquiring more and more and more. It's content. It's contentment. Here's a third one. Just by numbers, safe. Right? Also a biblical principle, but safe. Storm's coming. Rainy day is coming. Car's going to need, you know, new tires or whatever it is. But there is also a danger and having a savings account. In many ways, you know, it's good, it's very good, you should do it, but here's the danger, and that is you could look to it as your source of security. You could build it, you could build your financial wealth to the place of thinking, well, I got it all figured out. I'm good to go. You have, you have built a, a buffer around your life so that you think you can handle anything and everything. And so here's our higher calling. Write this down. It's, it's saving, but it's being God-dependent over independent. Because how many of you know the, the more you have and the more you feel like you've got this all figured out, the less dependent you become on God. And so you have to find a way that I need to stay hungry and stay dependent on God. God. So don't have a savings account for the purpose of of insulating yourself from everything that might happen or could happen or potential problem. But that's what we try to do. We we, We say things like, I need to be financially secure. I just need to be financially secure. Can I tell you that is an illusion? Like there is no security in finances. Hello, pandemic, right? Are you with me? There's no security. Like if we haven't learned that, the only thing that is secure is our faith in Christ and building upon him. So let me urge you, save, save, fine. Just don't ever think that your savings account will be your security. Don't ever think that, because it won't, it won't last. Here's a verse that says it perfectly, Proverbs 18:11. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. In other words, they see their riches as this barrier, as this buffer between them and their problems. In other words, I'm building up my fort of financial security so nothing can, can happen. I'm just telling you, it doesn't work that way. Don't be secure in your, your wealth or your riches, but be secure in a God who richly provides for every need that you have. Are you with me? That's what we need to do. In fact, what's interesting to me is that the, the most generous people in America are often the poorest people in America. You know why? Because, because they understand that if, if God does not provide for them, like nothing else is going to happen, they keep their security in, in God alone. Proverbs 38 and 9 says, and I love this, make this your prayer. R- write this down. If you haven't highlighted anything or, or referenced anything, Proverbs 38 and 9, give me neither poverty or riches, but only my daily bread. And just what I need today. God, that way I don't get full of myself and, and, and think, what does it say? Otherwise I have too much and I disown you by saying, who is God? I don't need God. I'm good. I won't pray to you. I won't seek you. I'll stop trusting you. Or on the other hand, if I don't have enough, I'll become poor and steal and dishonor God. So it says, give me neither. God, just let me stay hungry and dependent on you every single day for, for my needs. Are you with me? I will not trust in riches. I'm going to trust in God who richly provides everything that I need. And here's the, the next one. It was investing, 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 right? And that's, that's fun. Your, your, your money's growing and working for you. But here's the principle I think is higher, and that is stewardship over ownership. Meaning you are not investing in order for what you have to grow. You are investing with the owner's interest in mind, and you are not It, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. catch a tiger by the toe. Sorry, that's my Lyme disease. I blame everything on that. You're not the owner. You're not the owner. And so the the greatest principle you can ever learn is like everything that I have, God has given me has come from a good God to me. I am not the owner of it. I am just the manager. I am the, the steward of it. Steward means manager, like I'm managing something that belongs to someone else. This church operates that way. We don't own this. This is God's. God can do whatever he wants with it. My family operates this way. And in not just our money, in everything, we operate this way with our own children. Like these are our children that we are called to steward for a short period of time while they are in our home. But God has greater plans for them than we do. And so God is the owner. My my life? Like, I, I just, I wanna follow what God wants me to do. He is the, the owner of it. That's why Paul says over and over again, I'm a, I'm a slave to God. Like, it's not my life that I have. And so this is why you'll hear us say, you know, we return the tithe back to God. Tithe simply means a 10th, 10%. Um, we, we never say, you know, it's time to give the tithe because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you in the first place. Are you with me? Like, if I was to borrow, like, lend you my car, and he took it, drove it around, brought it back and said, hey, Colby, I got you a car. Check it out. Here you go. I'm like, you didn't give me a car. That's my car. You're returning back to me what belonged to me. And so that's the same thing we do with our, our tithe. We return it to God. Again, and a lot of people say, well, tithe a tenth, that's a lot of money. You know, that's, that's a big number. Can I tell you what's a big number? Is the 90 that he lets us keep. Is the 90 that he says, and by the way, you're supposed to steward that well too. It's not just the 10th, but it's everything that we have. And I know for many people, in fact, we have set this up where you can begin to grow in your your giving, grow in your generosity. And we say, hey, maybe your first step is to become a a faith builder. A faith builder is someone who just supports the mission and vision of this house and starts to fuel it through $10 a week. That's what we say, $40 a month. that's, That's coffee at Starbucks, right? But it's saying, all right, God, like I know I'm gonna take you at your word according to the plans of the architect. And I want to get there, but this is really tough. I understand this is all tough. And so here's, here's where I'm going to start. And can I just say something real quick? More important than the, the amount is the order. Because this is saying, God, I want you to know you're first in my life. And so I'm not waiting to the end of the month to see what I have. I'm going to give to you First. That's why the first out of, out of my paycheck and Kristen's paycheck and everything, you know, the first of it goes straight back to God. He says, bring the first of your increase to my house so that there may be, be stores in my house. And then the next step of that would be a house builder. A house builder is somebody who, who consistently fuels the vision and mission of this church through the tithe through the tithe, and maybe that's, that's your next step. Maybe you have been you know, kind of playing with it a little bit and you just gotta say, all right, God, I'm gonna go all in, I'm gonna take you at your word. And then beyond that, we have kingdom builders. And many of you have, have been a part of this where you have self-identified as giving over and above the regular tithe, the, the 10%. And by the way, that has nothing to do with an amount either. It, it, at the end of the year, it could be just saying, hey, you know what, Colby? Like, I'm gonna give above and beyond, even if it's just a little bit above and beyond just the tithe. And you can go online and you can look all that stuff up. I'm just saying we need to grow in our giving because we don't own any of it. If we could understand this principle that we are stewards of it and see your whole life that way. So instead of saying, you know what, what can I do with every breath that I have, every you know, meal that I eat, God, is there a way I can eat a meal, but I can eat with someone who doesn't know you? And then I could, I could point them to you in a relationship with you. Is there a way I can steward my house, my home, my car for you? Are you getting this? We are the managers of it, not the owners, of everything that we have. Everything is a temporary resource so to be used for an eternal purpose. I'm just telling you, this is what Matthew 6:19. Jesus said himself, don't store this up here on this earth. In other words, don't make all your investments matter for here and now because it's not going to last. Moth and rust are going to destroy it. Thieves are going to break in and steal it. But instead, store it up. Make sure it lasts for an eternal purpose. Your treasure's in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. I'm just saying once you understand what really matters the most, that matters the most, you'll do everything you can to live your life in that direction. Here's the last principle, band, you guys can come help me shut this thing down. And that is when you think about giving. And again, financial planners, they'll avoid this one for the most part. But here's our built different kind of principle that's just beyond the numbers. And that is this generosity over misery. Because the opposite of being generous is a miser, a miser. And how many of you know some of the most um, unhappy people you know in life are often the most stingy people that you know. And some of the happiest people that you know are some of the most generous people that you know. Again, I think this is just a beyond the numbers kind of principle because it does something inside of you. In fact, it's, it's so much joy when it comes to being generous. This is Jesus himself said in Acts 20, 35. He said, it's fun. The Lord Jesus himself said it's more Blessed, somebody say blessed. Blessed to give than to receive. You know what that word blessed means in the Greek? It means happy. In fact, here's literally what it means is, it's hilarious, hilarity. It's so fun to give. It's so fun to be generous. And that's why our heart as a church is to be known as a church that lives generously, gives generously. This church in, in our short you know, 10 years of existence, we've been able to give over $1.2 million beyond these walls to different organizations in this community, to planting churches, I mean, that's awesome. That's hilarious to me, that's awesome, I love it. And we're happy when we, we do it because we need to understand this at the end of our time, it does not matter how much you've gathered, how much you've accumulated, how much you've stored up. What matters is how much you were able to give away, how much you were able to give. And this is why I think Paul writes to people like me, to his young pastor friend in the faith. There's, there's some, some scripture that's just to pastors. I don't know if you realize that, but in the book of, of Timothy, This is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, hey, Timothy, I need you to do this to your church. I need you to command them to do good. So, hey, everybody, go out there and do good. Live generously. You know what that means? It means today the restaurant that you go to, the server's gonna wait on you. Like, be kind to them and then leave the big fattest tip of your life. You know what I'm talking about? A honking tip. Whatever that means to you, I don't know. Command you to do good, be rich in good deeds, be generous. And here's what will happen. And I know what many people say, I get it, I get it. When, when I'm generous, the world's gonna be a better place. When I'm generous, you know, it's gonna make a difference in someone's life. You know, we're gonna hold hands and sing hands across America and just sway back and forth. And I don't know if you remember that, that's how old I am. Yes, that will happen. But look at this, if you do this in this way, you're going to lay up treasure. Like it's gonna get credited to your eternal account. And you will take hold of a life that is truly life. That you just decided I'm gonna build different, I'm gonna build beyond the numbers. Like the organization, the numbers, man, that all matters and that's great. But God's principles supersede just our principles. And that way you are building your life in such a way that when that day comes, like we read in the beginning, it doesn't all just burn up, but you built with something that, that, that will live on long past you. It'll make a difference for many people in their lives to come. And so I just believe if we wanna avoid some, some family destruction and drama and dysfunction, Family debt will create a lot of family doubt. And I think God just wants us to build difference. Let's do this. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, um, you need to know something. The spirit of generosity comes from a generous God. A God who loved to give nothing but his first and best. And he did that through his son, Jesus. And so when he asks us to give our first and best, it's it's almost the least that we could do to say, God, you have my heart. I can't say thank you enough for, for what you did for me through your son, Jesus, through giving his life as a sacrifice for mine. Once and for all sacrifice to cover my sin, past, present, and future. And so when we fully understand that and grasp that, it is our privilege, it is our joy. It is with with just hilarity and we say thank you God thank you God we have no other response but to follow you and live according to the way you've called us to maybe for some of you right now with your head bowed and eyes closed you've, you've never received that free gift of salvation from a generous God who grants you an opportunity to live shame free guilt free doesn't count your sin against you but so generously gave his one and only son that if you confess Jesus as Lord, that you'll be saved. You'll be saved. That is the the judgment that's coming as well. And so maybe you're here and God's just brought you to that moment too to say, hey, you know what? I gave my life for you. I gave my son for you. Maybe it's your turn to do the same and I invite you to, to do that. Maybe that's where you are. That's the decision you need to make. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer that does that. You can whisper this. You can just, I'm going to help you with some language, but you can use your own words. Just say, God, I give you my life. Thank you for giving me Jesus as a sacrifice to cover my sins. And I'm a sinner and I need to be set free. I need to follow the plan that you have for me. So right now I confess you as Lord and Savior. Just let him know that. Jesus, you're my Lord and you're my Savior. And I believe God raised you from the dead so I could follow him. And so right now I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. Holy Spirit, come help me and guide me and lead me. And help me follow the plans that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you wanna support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.